0: This is Back of House News, where we cover the biggest restaurant and food service industry headlines. This week, we're taking a break from the headlines to do a little bit of a crossover episode with our other podcast, So You Want to Run a Restaurant, which is hosted by yours truly, me and my fellow co-host Zach Mack, that involves in-depth conversations with restaurant operators across the country. So joining me to talk about some of our favorite moments from season two and what we learned and what's next is Back of House editorial director and producer of our podcast, Matt Lynch. Welcome, Matt.
1: Thanks, Claudia.
0: Yeah. So this is kind of an exciting
1: episode. Yeah, I mean, uh, t- 10 episodes of uh, season two in, in the books. So yeah, good time right. for a little looking back. I, I don't know if all of our back of house news listeners are, are even aware that uh, you have another podcast that uh, I know. you also appear on. So,
0: <laughs> And if they're not, they know now. And
1: I hope they that you're do. all subscri-
0: subscribing, liking yeah. and following.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. So I feel like the first season of the podcast, we were really in the early stages in the thick of the pandemic. And so I feel like so many of our conversations just revolved around operators and how they were really trying to survive that. And I think a big shift in season two and what we saw was that even though things were fully open again, or most places where I should say, that period was still casting a really long shadow over the industry. And even amidst that the operators we talked to were pretty relentlessly optimistic and positive. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, that that was definitely a common thread I noticed. And it's, it's weird to talk about anything like, post-pandemic when we're still very much in the pandemic, I know. speaking as someone who's getting over COVID right now. But uh, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, you know, I I think you aren't going to be able to talk about this industry for a few years without kind of a look back at that period when like literally everything was closed and everyone was trying to figure out ways to get food in front of people and Even though that's no longer really the case, things are obviously still really challenging right now with inflation and and food costs and all the different things operators are still facing. But everybody we talk to, I mean, I think it speaks to the type of person this industry Draws was just like yeah, so excited to talk about their business. Talk they all had, no one was like when we asked about their future plans. Was like oh I got nothing cooking. Like all well, got different ideas. Oh, right. They're excited to try. I mean our first episode, Fred Casalucci. We didn't even know this at the time. He was like oh by the way I'm opening a restaurant today. Like, <laughs> what are you doing yeah. talking to us? Like don't you have stuff right, to do? Right,
0: right. I feel. <laughs> I think he said that he was on like over 24 hours of a, of a sleepless yeah. sl- sleeplessness at that point. And, and we thought and, and he crushed friends it. and
1: family the night before something crazy yeah. like that. And yeah, it was a, a fantastic interview. And then, yeah, and that yeah. kind of enthusiasm and that thread just kind of carried uh, from episode to episode, it seemed like.
0: Right. I mean, I remember even Nick Bogner, who was uh, from St. Louis. he was so excited to have people back in his restaurant. And I think he was so passionate about the food. And I remember him talking about being so happy that his sushi bar, like the front and center chef's table sushi bar was back open and that he could actually cook in front of people and see their expressions, tasting all of the new food and the whole experience. Because he was all about the restaurant experience. And he said he did to go, but it, it, it wasn't the same. And I think that just speaks to how chef chef forward and chef driven some of these, some of these concepts really are and how meaningful those inter, those personal interactions become in throughout their whole experience of the restaurant.
1: Yeah. I and mean, that's definitely a good point for all the talk we had about You know, delivery and different models, and where this going? Which is obviously becoming a huge part of the industry. That's not going away. Like there, there's still that underpinning of hospitality and you know human contact that's so fundamental that why so many people got into this industry and why so many people love it. That sure, uh, it's important not to lose sight of. And you know, even though uh, it doesn't. Necessarily relate directly to the pandemic because these things both happen. Just another guess, uh, Rodney White, who I I mean, his restaurants overcome both a a fire and a flood at various points. And
0: (laughs) I know uh, I couldn't believe it. it. It
1: just speaks to like yeah, the tremendous resilience in this industry. And you know, even as as many times as you know, I'm I'm steeped in the headlines every day, and there's like no shortage of bad news impacting. The industry and you know all these warning signs like oh x restaurants are going to close if you know things don't happen but you know these operators keep persevering and like you know i've, I've i'm still out there having great restaurant experiences myself and uh i think you know it, it's important to take a step back and just like you know appreciate the people who who do the work to keep this industry moving sometimes i think
0: right It's inspiring, to say the least. It's just it's so inspiring to see their relentless, the relentless optimism that they've all that they've all shown. And um, yeah, with Rod in Rodney's case, I told him to call me when the locusts arrive. I mean, (laughs) come on now. Yeah. (laughs) But I think another theme that we saw again and again is how important the right culture is as well. I feel Mm -hmm. like that conversation came up so many times when it came to. A sus- like sustaining that success as a restaurant as a restaurant group as a leader of of a restaurant
1: absolutely and uh i think this i think this conversation has been percolating in the restaurant industry for a while even prior to the pandemic uh you know in the early stages of um me too and that, like that obviously the food industry with kind of such a Male-driven kind of chef bro culture for a while that I think the industry is still sure. grappling with. Uh, I think that plays an element in some of this conversation we've been having, and then more recently, as like you know, employee retention has become so front and center. I think mm-hmm. more and more operations, especially the good ones, are putting such an emphasis in building the kind of environment that's going to attract people who aren't just going to work in your restaurant for a few months and leave, but you know, hopefully build a a long term engagement or even a a career there because, you know, they feel good, not just about the work they're doing, but how they're being treated and who they're working with and, you know, opportunities to learn and grow and, uh, you know, participate in the organization in a meaningful way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I remember I I really feel like Lauren Bailey hit the nail on the head when it Mm -hmm. came to this conversation and all of the work that she has done and put into Creating that culture of not, not positivity. And I don't even want to, I felt like she was also, I, I, I kind of, sometimes people say that word, I think about toxic positivity, but Mm -hmm. I really felt that she meant she, she didn't, she wasn't taking it there. It was really about that positivity and community, Mm -hmm. um, in the sense of I'm going to, I'm here to support you. And I want like kind of what you were just saying, I want you to feel like this is something that you can grow into and that this isn't just you're a line cook and that's it. And then when you're done, you know, we're going to work you to the ground and that's it. Um, I felt that in her conversation and I think if, if you're ever if you're looking for an episode in season two to go back to about someone that's created a very interesting culture, go to that one.
1: Yeah, and I loved uh, you, that you brought up community. I mean the way she talked about how they you know, when they're scouting a neighborhood location, they look for existing kind of meaningful structures right. within the neighborhood that they can, you know, update and restore, but you know, kind of keep the essence. I I, I want to say her their first location was in an old bank, for example, mm-hmm. kind of like a architecturally significant that they preserved. Uh, so, and and I think that plays into culture because I, you know, your employees presumably are on some level part of the the community you're serving. So they, mm-hmm. I think, when you have kind of that level of care about how you're engaging with the community you serve. I think that permeates, you know, your staff and your culture as well. And then uh, Ellen Yin was another in a Philadelphia oh, restaurateur yeah. who I think that was a big focal point for her. And she's obviously mm-hmm. uh, been in this game a, a long time, you know, as a yeah. you know, female restaurant. Uh, not that I mean, you know, restaurant group operator, you know, going back to, you know, I mean, she got started in the 80s even, and so mm-hmm. definitely has seen kind of that evolution of where the industry has gone that we just alluded to. And, uh, you know, with one uh, of her pandemic kind of born projects, the, the Wonton project that came up when um, we were talking to her. And again, I, I think these kinds of, you know, meaningful points of community engagement, really do mean something to your staff and kind of how people feel about the restaurant they're working for and and, and the work they're doing. So I, I do think uh, kind of having that uh, culture community mindset uh, makes a difference with kind of the the restaurants and restaurant groups that yeah th- thrive in this environment.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Matt. I also think that we can't talk about this season without talking about the ways that the current environment rewards operators who are pretty tech savvy and willing to innovate and willing to incorporate new ways of doing business um, versus the old pen and paper. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about Carlos, for example. He was one of our earlier guests who uh, who had all these robot waiters that said he really it really helped his staff. And it put... Instead of taking the time to actually put someone there to serve it, they're there to interact with the with the guests mm-hmm. in another way, and it freed them up to do other things <laughs> other than those basic tasks.
1: Yeah, that's been – I think that's part of the – this conversation about – kind of robotics and automation in the industry and mm-hmm. whether it's you know quote unquote replacing jobs or taking away jobs is going to be ongoing i think he brought up the really interesting point is that obviously like he still employs servers maybe like not i mean part of the reason he got these robots they're almost acting more like busers than mm-hmm. what w- i guess you could say because like the there's still someone tending your table and just the 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 robots coming, like bringing the physical food while the, the human is there, like interfacing with customers and taking orders and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting seeing the ways, you know, uh, a robotic or automated solution can supplement your staff rather than like out and out re- replacing the people you have working for you, especially as a lot more restaurants are finding they need to find ways to, to get things done with a smaller staff just because, uh, you know, I- identifying. People out there uh, w- willing to come work for you can get more and more challenging.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I also think about people like Kristen Barnett and Chef Jupe who have really focused on ghost kitchens and are really trying to tackle that space, And which is a totally different game than – I mean, it's similar, but it's it's different in the sense of you you're – you're doing something without that brick and mortar appeal and no one's actually walking by you and it's all virtual and it's all right. digital. And so you're having to really put all of this emphasis on the digital marketing side of things. So yeah. similar to Cynthia as well, who, yeah, who definitely. has, you know, that was another great episode. So mm-hmm. Cynthia of laugh of life raft treats who does the frozen ice cream that's uh, and, and she's really done that all through or maximized her sales. I guess you should say through gold belly.
1: Uh, yeah, to, absolutely. To,
0: to go national.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll actually give a little plug for the uh, the, the backofhouse.io site because we have uh, yeah. an interview we did with Cynthia um, geared around exactly – I mean, Gold Belly becoming another revenue stream option for restaurants. And uh, she's got some great advice on to like what kinds of you know products and restaurants succeed on there and what you should think about when you're debating whether or not that might be something that would be a fit for you. And I want to circle back to, you mentioned Kristen Barnett too, just because it's it's interesting. I mean, I don't think I was really super cognizant of ghost kitchens as a relevant like restaurant industry sector Mm -hmm. pre-pandemic and now it's become such a sort of major part of the industry that Kristen's company is already like the thing that's disrupting the ghost kitchen (laughs) industry when it's like I didn't even know that was a like the ghost kitchen industry was supposed to be doing the disrupting and now that's being disrupted so I think that just kind of shows you how how fast this is moving and you know circling back to your original point how much I think this environment rewards operators and I don't want to just say tech savvy because it's really I think more about just like being willing to try something new because a, a lot of this quote unquote restaurant tech it's not like you need to be a a computer programmer, like or a whiz on your iPhone, necessarily use it. It's sure, more... but you
0: you have the ethos in you to go yeah. to go for something a little different and to say, "Hey, I'm willing." Like you said, I'm willing to give this a shot and I'm willing to try something new and I'm willing to see if I can get my staff on board and and if it to make my to make it to make it better.
1: I, yeah, I think in, increasingly as this industry moves forward, being being super set in your ways, uh, well, while, while there's some great old school restaurants out there that, you know, do what they do and succeed that way, I think there's increasingly going to be rewards out there for being nimble and being willing to uh, rethink your model constantly. Because I, I think it's, in most cases, going to be not just an advantage, but kind of a necessity.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I feel like we should talk about what's what's up next. I mean, we've 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 got season season two on the books, yeah. and I think next we're gonna have a mini series in the
1: fall. We are we are planning a fall mini series. This will it'll be our second mini series. We actually kicked off uh, this the. Calendar year, uh, twenty twenty two. So you want a restaurant with a mini series on restaurant tech, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that this mini series is going to be themed around kind of the future of the restaurant industry. And uh, I won't, I won't spoil the specific episode topics, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, stay so tuned. Look forward to that. And then, yeah. um, another another vague, uh, non-specific spoiler is I think we will do another holiday episode, which we we did for the first time. Oh man, I year. can't wait. I hope we
0: also do it in October, just so our listeners know a little a little uh, behind the scenes. We felt we recorded last year's holiday episode. I think it was late October. I think that's because right. Yeah. I remember putting up my Christmas tree immediately <laughs> after, and everyone thinking I was completely bonkers, <laughs> but I was in the Christmas spirit. I, you know, our our guest was just so. It was all Christmas. Her entire life is Christmas, and the run up to to the holiday season that I just, I, I was so in the spirit and I said, I, I have to put the tree up now. So I feel like my Christmas holiday season lasted long.
1: I feel like decorations in October is becoming like not, no one bats an eye anymore. It just, <laughs> it's just going up earlier and earlier, but
0: right, right, exactly. So,
1: and then the third thing would be our third season of "So You Want to Run a Restaurant," which will feature our usual conversations with restaurant operators, and new episodes of that should start rolling in early twenty twenty three.
0: That is exciting! A third season, my goodness, what a what a what a journey it has been. So, well, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Me so. as well. So, and I know even though he's not here currently, our. Uh, Co-host Zach Mack is also looking forward to it. So, uh, yeah, so yeah uh, I guess, yeah, to wrap up, if if you're a BackFuzz News listener who was not subscribed to So You Want a Restaurant, uh, definitely uh, make that happen. And, uh, yeah, yeah. All, all that exciting stuff we just teased will uh, show up wherever you get your podcasts. So,
0: Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Until next time, bye-bye.